All right, welcome more to come, folks, to another uh, episode of Stargazing. And um, the, uh, this, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly. And um, as usual on Stargazing, I'm talking with Meg Limke, the PW Graphic Novels Review Editor. Hey, Meg, how you doing? I'm doing well. Hello, everyone. We are here to talk about two books that received starred reviews at Publishers Weekly. Um, so, Calvin, should we just jump in or should we Let's jump right everyone? in because we've okay. got, we've got books that make you want to talk. It's really <laughs> true. These are two books we're very excited about. So both of these are coming out in uh, – oh, actually, the first one's coming out in August. So this is perfectly timed. Mm-hmm. So the first title is A Career in Books, a novel about friends, money, and the occasional duck bun by Kate Gavino. It's out from Plume, which is interesting because I wouldn't say they do a ton of graphic novels. No, I wouldn't either. Mm-hmm. And I know Kate Gavino and her work because, in fact, she used to come to the Brooklyn Book Festival and do portraits of the panels and the readers. And her first book was called Last Night's Reading, and then she had a book in between that was a graphic novel, which we both, of which I believe we covered at PW. And then this book is amazing. It, it really it's, is. It really it's is. a it's a total grabby, detailed, spot on portrait of being an editorial assistant in a particular time and place. It's mm-hmm. almost always going to be New York City, yep. right, mm-hmm. from that perspective. And, and Kate herself was an editorial assistant. So this mm. is taking place like about 2010, I believe. I, I guess that I don't know the exact time, but I, it's not I'm right not familiar now. with her, her illustrational work. I have, I'm, I, I believe I know her or from her publicity days. But her name is, was always familiar to me. But I couldn't agree with you more. Well, this is a wonderfully assistant. engaging book. But go on, oh, yeah, excuse yeah. me. It's a sorry, wonderfully sorry. engaging book. I just spoke over you, Calvin. That's okay. It happens because when, <laughs> when you're so enthusiastic, and we're, I think we're both really enthusiastic about both of these books. I it's love hard not book. to top talking. But go, so go ahead. Don't worry. We're just repeating ourselves <laughs> saying like, yeah. um, like lovey-dovey about these books. Okay, so she was an editorial assistant hmm. herself. And this book is about three friends who are all Asian American women who met in college and were roommates together mm-hmm. and wanted to get into books and then rent an apartment together in New York City. Yes. And each of them get a job at a different type of publisher in a slightly different role. One of them is um, in production, a managing editorial. One of them is an assistant at an academic mm-hmm. press. And then one is at a very small uh, kind of boutique yeah, kind of vanity, <laughs> dilettante run. <laughs> One is curious who it's standing in for. I have some ideas. Yeah, interesting. But um, it's like a, yeah. a trust fund-led yes. publisher by um, a woman who's maybe in their 40s and – she runs it out of her apartment, and that one has the best salary, which itself is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. And the other two have quite low-end, early um, editorial salaries. And one of the things that's just brilliant about this book is how specific it is. The salaries are laid out, how much everything costs. She does little price tags on yes. all the furniture and the clothes mm-hmm. and, like, the chopped salads they get at Midtown Lunch. Yes, <laughs> places or the like martinis they get at um, the fusion bar and it's so culturally specific also so each of the young women have different cultural backgrounds and different family life Mm -hmm. and all of those details can can i help you a little bit i've got their names here because i've I've, I've 
just fallen in love with these characters. We should get Ni- the trio's names. Uh, Nina Nakamura. Uh, mm-hmm. She's the uh, kind of Japanese American. Um, she's the she's kind of a boss girl. Uh, she had the uh, it's a kind of a managing editorial. She position. has a more corporate job. And yes, she has the more, more corporate the publisher. Pu- the bigger publisher. And then there's Sylvia Bautista. Mm-hmm. She's Fili- uh, Filipino. Uh, she works at the kind of boutique-y, um, uh so-called literary press. And then there's right. Sharon Yap who works at essentially a university press, Maslin University Press. And that that's a fascinating role because Sheeran is hired, um, and she's also Filipina, and she is hired because the French editor she works for, who doesn't live in New York and, like, flies in and out, mm-hmm. thought she was Chinese and that she could translate Chinese. Yes. And there's this sort of awkward moment where she, the editor realizes she hired her with this assumption in mind, and then at the end of it, she's still literally like, so you don't speak Chinese? <laughs> yes. I mean, it's... But there are so many moments like that oh, through these lives. Amazing. These uh, micro to macro aggressions mm-hmm. uh, that these uh, these women face. But anyway, go on. Don't let me stop you because no, it's good you're getting into the. I love it's exactly I, I, what I, I just love this book. book. But go on. It has this kind of Sex in the City gossip girl um, narrator who talks about the girls, and it it's very much based on that. And that is a driver. Like it works to make mm-hmm. it poppy and a little. Crazy commercial and yet they get into very deep issues both racism within the industry um issues about gender and pay and really the struggle to define yourself in what's a long assistantship and apprenticeship in publishing they get into what happens when layoffs occur at different houses what it's like to negotiate for a different salary mental health issues um issues in housing in new york they really and then we're forgetting a major character who is really yes. the fourth of this ensemble, um, Veronica Vo, who is a 90-year-old woman who lives in their building, and then they discover she was a Booker winner. And she is um, Vietnamese and American. Is that correct? Yes. Thanks. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she had a big book called Le Mutinier, which was about um, the world politics in Vietnam and talked about the war, and that was a big breakout winner. And then she went on from that to write a number of more domestic works that featured um, Asian American female leads and then completely went to bargain bins in the store. Yes. So she continued to be published, but she was print. overlooked, yeah. mm-hmm. totally overlooked. Mm-hmm. And so the three young women in publishing find her and discover her work and start a relationship with her. And she's such a perfect character for New York. Oh, she's a awesome. lot of people have yes. run into these older people who live in an apartment. They've capped it up and they bought it in the like 80s, 70s even. And she has maintained this beautiful, perfect apartment and is trying to age in place and has a wonderful, rich literary history. And they, they find out that she hung out with Truman Capote. Like there's all this yes, sort of great. Capote blurbed her book that she, right. she, she was part of the, you know, this literary, uh, uh, uh crowd of the, you know, of the seventies right. and the early eighties, right. but go on. And yes. She's, just, she's tickled <laughs> to have these girls yes. pay attention to her. I keep saying, they're young women, but there's this sort yes. of lovely aspect in a relationship to her. They seem like young girls. And yet she treats them with all this respect. And then they, they try and think about, like, in our roles now, can we find a way to bring this wonderful writer's work back to print? And that's the plot of the book, is like yes. these young women trying to have Veronica's work brought back into print. But there's so many other plots and subplots about their relationships, their breakups. It is delightful. The reviewer loved it. Um we we said that 
Gavino peppers her savvy line drawings with price tags and mm-hmm. applies actual numbers to her character's salaries and calculations. Specificity is the fire that fuels this witty social satire in which fairness doesn't always triumph and friend, friendship does. Absolutely. It's really a wonderful book. And I would say it's absolutely hitting a moment. And when this was announced, it was right when Twitter was afire with um, assistant level folks leaving houses because mm-hmm. of being passed over for raises despite the incredible work they had done. Yeah. There's a reckoning coming to a head and she brings that forward and actually a super readable, enjoyable narrative. Um, great, lovely, you know, emotive art. Mm. And, and, you know, and it's interesting. I mean, well, we could both go on and on and on. I mean, for me, you know, this, you know, as a, a, a bookish bro, bro positive mm. kind of dude, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, to distinguish, uh, uh bro culture from the, the yeah. toxic mm-hmm. variety. Uh, I mean, this is a secret life of, of, of young career women in New York. Mm, I mean, interesting. I mean, that's so it, funny to think about because it, I mean, to me, it's so familiar. In a lot it, of ways, it, well, right? I, and that's what, I mean, I think that's the strength of the book. I mean, this mm. is a, a, a women's point of view book. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's a handful of, of male characters in the book, you know, and, and, you know, they fortunately that they, they don't ruin the story uh right. and they have their role to play but this is really a story about how women navigate uh the obstacle courses of you know of male constructed and male dominated professional life mm-hmm. and it's about friendship and it's about relationships it's about ambition female ambition mm-hmm. and and how it's challenged and how it's um, supported or not supported. Yeah, or fostered or not, right? So there's absolutely. You know, it's um, about the mm-hmm. nature of book publishing. I mean, mm-hmm. what she has been able to uh, to cram creatively, cram into this package that has this. It's this work of thoughtful hilarity that's wrapped in this sort of chiclet cloak. Um, uh, and, and I, and I, and I say that in not meaning it to be pejorative, but you know, this is this incredible group of feminist quipsters, mm-hmm. uh, and how they get through life. And, uh, it's both their love lives, uh, uh and how they navigate that. Um, and, and this character, Veronica Vogue, where this is where they appropriate the the classic narration of the of Manhattan li- literary acolyte on a quest, you know, to find themselves and be themselves in the literary world, and they have done it in the in the character of this woman, Veronica Vo, and they've turned her into the the female. Uh, uh, acolyte looking to make her mark. Mm. She's and, a fantastically drawn character too. Oh, Just it, the detail is really perfect. And that's the key to this book in many ways because uh, I, I, the drawing style I think is 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 rich and appropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does use this wavering kind of cartoony line that mm-hmm. I associate with the Kathy cartoon and other women's work, but I want to make it clear. That they, uh, uh, Gavino packs this book and her drawings with so much nuance, so much detail. You mentioned the pricing. I mean, she does this pricing. It's really a breakdown on class, uh, and social economic status and how it works. Cause she tags her, the roommates as well as the people they encounter, the places that they are. And it really, 
puts an analytical spin on this and raises the drawings and the illustrations, you know, to another level. So I'm going to stop there because I could go on and on and on. But, you know, this is a, a must read. It reads like a novel, but it's actually a really uh, methodical deconstruction of the New York social and um, economic publishing world. And it's an absolute delight to read. I mean, I think she's more detailed than that extra cartoony example. I mean, I also think it's a bit more stripped down, but she has a little Gabrielle Bell to her, a little bit of Julie Desai. Absolutely. She has these great expressions. Absolutely. Um, and, and when we talk about the specificity, she also is really speaking about the culture of Asian American young women in publishing. And yes. the within that, you know, as we already detailed, the four characters come from different parts of Asian culture in um, and have different relationships with their family in terms of whether they're first or second generation, their parents are first or second generation immigrants, mm-hmm. you know, they're yes. all. Because mm-hmm. they wrestle with those issues as well. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And they would, depending on what how their parents are pushing them or not, or what their, yes. what their thoughts are. About Asian guilt. Publishing. <laughs> right. and, I, and, you know, definitely the kind of trope of white women mentors who think they know what they're doing in terms of helping a True. assistant, but are in fact stepping in it constantly, you know, mm-hmm. really come up for do satire in the work. So I appreciated that. Um, it's such a great book. I'm very interested <laughs> to see how the industry responds yeah. to it, who people think characters might be based on, particularly mm-hmm. the publishers. I work for academic I actually think I've worked for every, yes. every type of publisher <laughs> in this book as a, when I was early in my editorial career. So, so much was completely familiar. Um, she gets the vibe of the different offices correct. And we are delighted. And also, you know, not to say, you know, this actually really reminded me of, um, Adrian Tomino in, in his work that uh, notes from a cartoonist's life. I'm getting the title slightly wrong. Um, the, all the mm-hmm. yeah. jokes about um, the you know about comic conventions and sort of references to different books. Gavino the whole way through has these lovely both literary asides where you know. The, the women are so well read and are constantly saying, you know, and this was just like in The Stranger and Come Who's the Stranger. Like, there's all these lovely moments where if you've read deeply both in historical canon and contemporary fiction, every a reference hits true. And then there's lovely details, like all the tote bags, like Brooklyn Book Festival oh, tote yeah. bag gets there. She, they reference particular parties. It just very, it feels it's very a real. richly rendered portrait of New York society and New York book society. It really, we could go on and on about this book, really. Uh, and, 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 and that is because it's so thoughtful and so entertaining. Uh, that we can do this. I mean, the scope of the book is really wide. And I really want to just point out, that, as, as I've already said, I mean, it has this veneer of breezy, you know, uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure of the proper, uh, just breezy reading. But really, she goes under the surface and she builds each of these characters with real care and depth, they, they are fully developed and 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 rounded characters. I, I am curious to ask you one question, hmm. and, and see if I'm wrong. But one character, Sylvia, I don't think there's anything about her love life, mm-hmm. and there's so much about the love lives, about all of about Nina, about you know about Sharon, of course. Uh, it, you know what's interesting to me about that because but you're there's nothing I about Sylvia and. 
Um, you know what? I think her love life is that she's a novelist. So her love yeah. is of writing. So yeah. Sylvia's the the personal life of Sylvia that really is filled in is that she's writing a book yes. herself. And I also can imagine, and I don't want to make assumptions, but I imagine some of these characters each have aspects of Kate Cavino herself, right? I think she, I think and so she this is her third book, and this is the book that maybe is the culmination of a lot of time and work she put into it. And Sylvia also has some, I don't want to spoil her, but she has some moments where she talks about difficult times in her yeah. life and the way that her book is speaking to those. So I think that's the way that her her personal life or romance comes in. It's romance with the life of a writer. That's true. Yeah. And um, I, I should say the the, the Tamana book that we sh- that Tamana book that I think really is a great comp. I haven't seen it listed. Is the um, loneliness of the long distance cartoonist, and just mm-hmm. the same way that that work just got all these specific details mm-hmm. about literary comics culture. This really gets book culture, and it's a comic book about mm-hmm. it. Yeah, so you really know, perfect. I will I will say this. I and, and I loved ate that book as well. I, I, you know, and I think we talked about this. I, 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 I really get the feeling more that Adrian is somehow is settling scores. Now, I suppose you could have the same reaction to some of the sequences in uh, Korean books. Yeah, you just may not know people. In the yeah, that's yet. true. I, like I said, I have an idea, but, um, one idea of who um, handsome publishing could be. So. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But you know, but I tell you, there's so much detail about these characters, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the villains and the so-called heroes, mm-hmm. that um, you know, this it, it, it takes these encounters to for me to uh, uh, another level of of just literary skill. And cartooning skill, I might say, too. Oh, the cartooning skill is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited for this book for Kate Gavino because Calvin and I both worked at the Book and Book Festival as volunteers for many, Mm -hmm. many years on the um, comics programming. We're both still doing that in part. And Kate, you know, similarly just came in and donated her time, became this artist walking around and creating and and gifting art into the festival and being a part of it. Mm -hmm. And I love to see her having been a part of literary culture here in New York and then having her book come out. I mean, it just really yeah. feels good to see yeah. that happen. Yeah. So you go girl. It's an awesome book. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Kate, we're loving it. All right. Um, well, that segues easily into someone else who has really put her time into comic culture, which is Kate Beaton, mm. um, a major force in the development of um, comics readership. As we know it currently is particularly through webs comics because she's Extremely well known for sure. Hark a Vagrant, her um, literary send up, historical send up. There's a lot of um, similarity actually to some of the jokes in Aquarian books that are about literary illusions and sort of how they fit into modern life. Um, makes a complete tonal shift in her much anticipated, long in development memoir, Ducks, Two Years in the Oil Sands, which is coming out from her longtime publisher, Drawn and Quarterly. And this is in September. And it, is certainly to top everyone's best of list. I believe this year it's an absolutely, I don't want to scoop us. We're not there yet, but it blew me away. I know that yeah. Calvin too. Oh yeah. Um, people have been wondering about this book. It's massive. It's almost 500 pages. And Kate, Kate's uh, quick humor is put into the pacing of this work with a topic that is, very serious and taken very seriously. Um, so she's looking back at a time in her life when she just had graduated from art school in debt. And she did what many people in her small community um, in a Nova Scotian town um, 
did, which is the takeoff mm. to work for the oil sands in Alberta. Mm. Cape, which, Cape, Cape Breton. Cape, Cape Breton. Uh, Bre- Cape, I mean, Cape Breton. I'm talking about, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to say the town Sorry. she's from. And it sounds Breton. like her name. Yes. Cape, Cape uh, Breton, I mean, Breton in yeah. Nova Scotia. Anyway, yes. yes. Sorry. Well, no, my bad. Like <laughs> my bad. I did sound like I said Cape Breton again. It's okay. <laughs> um, it's her. It's her town in Nova Scotia, and we really reminded me in an American context, actually, of um, people in – I'm from Seattle, and people will go up to Alaska to do fishing in the summers mm. and, like, caught fish and do this really dangerous sort of fishery work. And so this is even a much more massive scale. You know, they – generally, like, in this town, there isn't other industry, and there's no way to make money, and you can ship off this isolated, almost military base-like – existence but that is a commercial oil field where there's massive dangerous equipment you know devastated um, landscapes that have a kind of stark beauty but are being like drilled into and fracked Mm -hmm. and um she moves into it and what is the dominant experience is also dominantly male. So there's only, in some instances, she's one of one or two women in a huge camp full of Hundreds, men. if not thousands of men. Right. So she estimates that men, in our review, we say she, men outnumber women in some camps, 50 to 1. Hmm. And she works through a series of gigs that are... Um, like doling out wrenches at tool cribs, like desks where she, they come in and they say, we want the specific tool and she hands it out. So she's really behind the desk, just out there to be uh, catcalled, um, sometimes cornered behind the desk. I mean, she's just, she faces all of the pent up energy and sexual uh, frustration and outlet of these men. And the work is about many things, but one of them is very much what it's like to be a woman in these environments where men have been isolated and part of put into a mob mentality um, and the trauma on many levels that that um, creates for her in her life. And then she's making bigger statements about the oil industry and the fuel industry and its effect on the environment, but also the effect on human life. Um, and that comes through in instances of her coworkers um, having accidental deaths, having mental health mm-hmm. issues, the use of drugs in the camp mm-hmm. is very widespread. Mm-hmm. And then again, there's the complete destruction of the lives of women in the camp just in terms of the daily and sometimes greater um, traumatic forces that they, that they meet. And she does this in this very intuitive storytelling fashion where she page by page, you know, gives vignettes and snapshots of what her life is like at a series of camps. And then somehow through it, the humor that she's developed takes force in, in just the characters, these sort of grisly um, character studies of men coming from all over hmm. um, Northern Canada. And it's just, it's a brilliant book. I really sat down and read it straight through. It was really affecting. I think that it's very much about Canada and Canadian culture, but it absolutely reads in an international way. Absolutely. Like it speaks to what you imagine is a similar dynamic in other oil fields in the Middle East, you know, or um, in the U.S. in the Gulf region. And yet, uh, again, specificity is the is what makes the book so fabulous and immersive. Is how much she gets each face, each accent, um, each each moment. Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, uh, yeah, everything you said. <laughs> what, <laughs> Sorry. what she I said. I mean, I, love I, this book. And, uh, I mean, my, my, 
my own addition to this conversation is that this is a this graphic memoir is a contemporary masterpiece of personal history uh and deep uh, social despair um mm. uh, i mean it is a, a it's a record of unrelenting sexism and misogyny and it's a kind of an anthropological dive into uh the the nature and the peculiarity of Canadian misogyny. And I only point that out because of its detailed and brilliant recreation of place. Because it this mm-hmm. is about Canada. Mm-hmm. But really this could be any woman dropped into any industry anywhere in the world. Um it uh and now now it does this alongside of breaking down uh and and spotlighting Incredible environmental destruction, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the related destruction, uh, and, um, uh, uh to ind- indigenous culture and indigenous people. Um, and, uh, but it, it, in its, in it, at its best moment, it, it, it casts her trying to resolve these two things in her mind. This, this land and this, the landscape of Canada that she actually loves, her hometown, the men that she knows, and as I think as she puts it in various parts of the, of the thing, uh, in discussions with her, with the handful of female co- colleagues that she has, when she has them at, at, at later stops, uh, not every man is like this, uh, does does this just turn men into this? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she she she's trying to come up with an answer for that. Um, uh, and all I can keep thinking about is this scene that happens. Uh, well, I'm not going to say where it happens, uh, but uh, she encounters, uh, you know, a guy that recognizes her from the camp, mm-hmm. and this is years later, and. What comes out of that scene, uh, the, these two women, I think it was, was it a friend or her sister? Because I think her sisters eventually her sister worked there. Her sister come to work with her, which is an interesting and dynamic. They, they, where, oh, excuse me, go on. There's a really interesting dynamic with her family coming. And that's part of the narrative is that people bring family over because they make so much money. Oh, yes. You know, this, and they yes. try to leave, but there's an understanding of, like, this is the this way is... you can pay off your debt. This is the way you can go. You do this time here. I mean, it has a lot of parallels to prison culture. Where you have this sense that people go in and serve time, and they change in that environment. It's understood people change, and they might change forever. They might not, and they they aren't themselves in that environment. Yeah. And that's where I really saw the – and, again, with military, you get this. You hear all the time, like, people go off to service. That's sure. That's what in their service and in, in, in this, the trauma and stress of combat zones changes men and women, but particularly men. And then there's this way in which I don't know about particularly men. I'm sorry, but we see, we hear about it more because there's more men, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the violence and um, actions that they take. And she, 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 she has her sister come, even though she's very protective about her sister. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because because it's like a rite of passage that come, you almost have to do. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she has this great, so I think you're also referring, she has beaten, I'll, I'll just read from the review a little bit so we get our. Yeah. Could, could I just make one quick point though? What, is yeah. that one of the things I'm talking about in this mm-hmm. relationship between this, that there is this point where they both realize no one can understand exactly the experience that they have gone through. Right. Exactly. So excuse right. me, go on. Yeah, no, and I think that that is what this book is is doing. It's trying to open up an experience that is so troubling and so unusual and so out of time and of the rest of 
their their lives and that it changes people and it brings together all these people who would be their neighbor in another context and feel safe and makes them unsafe in this context yeah. but also makes them coworkers where there's like a joviality to their exchanges that then can be threatening in other Absolutely. Um, situations and um yeah and there's this line that speaks to her which says you know Caden begins to um step back and observe how the isolation can transform ordinary people, remarking, for instance, that hearing cat calls delivered in the familiar accent of her Cape Breton home region is especially cutting. So just knowing like that could have been like that voice is the voice of her dad. That's voice is yes. the voice of her uncles. Yeah. Um, and, and there's such a sort of sweet nature. And this is part of the reasons why you say it's this interesting Canadian, like there's this general kind of politeness and joviality and like sort of particular jokes of like rougher jokes of the region. Um, and that is, and we should say there's a real, um, again, there's a real humor she still brings to bear. Like it's dark humor in some cases. Mm-hmm. She, um, uh, we write in the review, the homespun drawings and intuitive pacing capture both the dreariness and occasional splendor of this frozen world with flashes of the author's trademark humor and the banter between her crusty yeah. co-workers. She does a great job um, with these different characters' voices, and you get the way that even in this environment, there's different class distinctions, and people kind of group themselves with their home regions, and she gets identified that way by her coworkers, whether they'll tease her or not from coming from um, Nova Scotia. And I think she, she's trying to make a big statement with this book, but it's also a very, very personal work that she yes. clearly poured herself into. So we really, honestly, I feel like are lucky to get to read it. It feels like an important book and one that is a landmark work for comics publishing. And I hope, I'm, I can't wait to see it come out in September and see how readers are going to respond. Yeah, it, it really is. A, it, it's a really a, a, a monumental work. Uh, uh, and I, just a word for her drawing, which has, which has, I think she's has morphed into a, a different mm-hmm. style to do a mm-hmm. different kind of book. Her, her kind of gestural, uh, comic drawings that she did for Harker Vagrant, um, and have kind of, um, grown into mm-hmm. a, 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 even I, I best to describe it i mean it's a still cartoony style but it's a much more grounded style that allows her to really do both to 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 really kind of uh, set up these really real conversations between characters and also to depict this incredible landscape that she's working in it's a lot like the way that Julia Wirtz's work has evolved, actually, where you see that they both still, in their figure drawings, um, have a sort of sweet and cartoony and faster style, but then they also both pull back to very detailed um, landscapes and sort of architectural, like Julia does these architectural drawings and Kate here does these amazing drawings of the um, of the machinery yes. as well as the landscape that mm. make up the landscape and make up uh, metaphorically and, and actually the sort of towering menace around her with the way that the oil sands infrastructure is working all the time, working the land and, and, and running it down and running down the people who are working mm. the machines. Um, I mean, th- this book really is, how do you tell the story of misogyny? Hmm. How it infects men? Uh, is it the isolation? Is it just in their nature? Uh, are these the same men that she knows in her? You know, is this the same gender that she has grown up around? She she doesn't quite know, but she has a story to tell that's uh, you know doesn't look good for the men, 
But, you know, it's interesting, I think, the generosity that this book uh, morphs towards. Oh, she has After the incredible experiences mm -hmm. uh, that she's had to, that she's gone through and that the other women in the book go through as well. Right. And there's a lot of uh, relationships that she develops that she eliminates, you know, the way the men yeah. talk about their relationships at home. And then again, the drug and alcohol addiction that is present in the camps yeah. and the way she sees it affecting her coworkers. Um, there's just, there's a lot of empathy in the book. It's really full of empathy and including empathy for the earth. That, yeah. Yeah. You know, she is, I think, in, in, in many ways, looking back and reckoning with her participation in the industry. Um, and essentially, there's a long essay that says, you know, when this work, when she undertook this work, and she's not excusing herself, but she's essentially saying, like, our understanding of the climate crisis has changed. And it's mm -hmm. important to see Good point. where it's, to, to, it was important for her to write this work in its period, but also have an ability to look back, understanding where we are now mm. um, and where we maybe knew we were, but it was hidden in a different way. It wasn't written about in quite the same way as it is now. Yeah. Um, and, and just like the other book, just like Korean books, this is a book about family as well. It's a book about relationships, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I, she writes such beautiful, I hope you know, the next book is about her family mm, even more. It, you know, she's it, got, a lot of her comics right now are about her kids. It's also a book about ambition and vision yeah, and, 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 and where you want your life to go and what you have to go mm -hmm. through to, to get to, mm -hmm. to, uh, to whatever your vision of your future is. Uh, in a, in a, in a society that's still, uh, ruled by just awful tropes. Well, I know that we're going to probably put this up in July. So you have a book to read in August and a book to read in September and you will have two of the probably best books you're reading this year. So, uh, hope. yeah, these are, these are keepers, both of them. Yeah. I think we should sign off. And yeah, I think that's it. You're right. Next time, we'll we'll talk about some more great books. Thanks, Calvin. You bet. Bye.